Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome in to the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for tuning in, subscribing, being a part of the movement. It is much appreciated. I think you'll enjoy this episode of the podcast too because I've got a really wonderful guest. It's an episode that I should have put out a while ago. But there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on. And I'm not going to totally eat up Tarika's episode with me talking about things that are going on. But I do think that it's important for me to tell you about some of the things, some of the changes that will come to House of L. I will get to that momentarily. I believe that one of the best things about our podcast is that you support the people that support the podcast, to keep the podcast creating, moving forward, inventing new ways, and getting more people involved in the podcast. So if you're looking to purchase a home, refinance an existing home, then you need to do what I did. Call Team Hochberg, your trusted local lender. David's a crazy person. That's not in the script. That's just something that I like to add. But for more than 20 years, David has built his business helping first responders and medical professionals secure mortgages and wanted to do more to say thank you. So every week, 
Team Hochberg recognizes first responders and medical professionals for keeping us safe and healthy. This week, Team Hochberg is recognizing Fran Teddy Teal, director of birthing, as well as the 150 nurses and support staff at Advocate Sherman Hospital in Elgin. All right. I like this. To thank them and support the family-owned restaurants in the area, Team Hochberg catered food from Cafe Roma in Elgin, owned by Frank Radesi. First responders and medical professionals deserve our appreciation. Shout out to Cafe Roma in Elgin. That's nice. If you can afford to purchase lunch from a family-owned restaurant for your local police, fire departments, and medical professionals, go ahead and do it. Team Hochberg helped me. They did. And they can help thousands of first responders, medical professionals, and you, the podcast listener. So if you're looking to buy a new home or you're refinancing a home, call David, 855-56-DAVID, or visit 56david.com. Homeside Financial and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 1124061. And I mentioned this, and he's jumped on with us, and I'm so happy that Brendan Studzinski, State Farm agent, over on the north side is part of this. ChicagoSF.com is his website. It's really easy. Go get a quote from him. And for every quote that we get, tell him that I sent you. State Farm will donate $10 to Pause Chicago. It doesn't get much better than that. It's really easy. The easiest way to do it is just go, go to his website right now while you're listening. ChicagoSF.com. If you're looking for a trustworthy insurance agent, this is the guy that you want on your team. Before we get to Tarika Foster and her fascinating career, at some point, like I said, I will do like a whole episode about this negotiation that I'm in with the score. It'll be like a standalone, but here's the nutshell of it. My contracts usually run from March to February. That's just been the cycle, like, from the first time I was hired as a full-time host. That's the cycle that I've been on, and it hasn't changed. So at the end of February is usually the end of my calendar year at the score. And usually I take a a week off or a couple days off at the end of it to celebrate and reset the, the, the next year. So... Now we're in negotiation because my contracts usually run two years. Every two years, I renegotiate with the score. And I got to tell you that I was in the last, I would say not never, but in the last three cycles, so I guess the last six years, usually there's been some wanderlust for me where I'm like, "Eh, I'm ready to go do some other things. Like I want to do more TV or I want to, go work in internet television or whatever. Like, I want to go challenge myself creatively. That's usually the way that it goes. This was the first time in the last, and now I guess you can count four cycles, of contract negotiations where I was like, I was telling my agent, like, all right, let's let's not fight with them. I don't want to fight. Like, we've been in this place with COVID and, media companies have taken incredible hits financially 
like I'm, I don't want to fight with anybody anymore about this. Like a couple of, of thousands of dollars here or there. Like I'm happy doing the show. I love my team, even though my team continues to shrink. Um, I love what we're building. We're kicking Greeny's ass in the ratings. So I want to keep going. Like I, I feel like I've found some things even inside the pandemic. And I feel like the show is continuing to progress. And I think that the station itself actually is okay. Like we, I think that we have come to agreement on that part of it. The part that we haven't come to agreement on is what role the House of L plays in it. Does my independent media venture wander into their rights as intercom to have me as one of their voices? Like I said, I don't want to take away from Tarika's episode, but I did want to talk about this. So, And I wanted to let you know what's going on. So my year ends on February 28th. My contract actually ends on February 28th. We are still trying to figure some of this stuff out. And I'm not sure what the conclusion is going to be. And as I keep talking about, I'll get into some of the specifics on it. And maybe I don't want to give away their business, but I'll get into some of the specifics on my end in a later episode of the podcast. But... I went from feeling like in the beginning of February, I felt like, man, this is going really well. I'm looking forward to re-upping with the score, doing the national show for CBS Sports Radio, and we're going to figure this whole thing out. To in the middle of February going, I'm not sure that I'm going back to the score. And wondering if now is the time for me to leave. Like in my mind, if I sign this contract with the score and stay, it'll be 25 years at the end of it. That's a good number. And it's a good number to be like, eh, maybe, maybe it's time to go do something else. I'll only be 47 at the end of it. But I am stuck now going... Who am I if I don't go back there? I think that there will be suitors for my talent if I leave. But there's no guarantee. And how do you leave the only real, like, not the only. I mean, I've I've worked for NBC and I've worked for NBC Sports Chicago. But as far as, like, full-time jobs go, like, I left college and came to the score. My whole adult life has been there. And now there's a real possibility that that comes to an end. Partially because of this, of this podcast, it's possible that this comes to an end. No decisions have been made. There are still offers and counter offers that are on the table. And and, and I want to make it really clear. Like as far as I'm concerned, from what I do from noon to two, like the the stuff that the score has asked me to do, the national show on CBS Sports Radio, all of that stuff is negotiated. 
Like there's, I'm not fighting for extra dollars. Like there's not any of that. Like the score isn't like, well, we want to, we want to do this. Like it's, it has more to do with the ownership aspect of this podcast and how far I'm going to go to give my content away. I look at it as we should build a partnership and maybe we will. Hopefully we will. But I don't know. The good thing is that I got a couple of days off to think about it. I have a full month of me. Like I signed my addendum to my contract, meaning that we are in agreement that the last contract stands for the next 30 days. So my contract will now end on March 31st unless we come to an agreement on an extension. I guess we could do another addendum and and push it out another 30 days, but it'll give me a chance to put some things in order and try to make a really good decision. I'll talk about more of this on another episode of the pod, but I wanted to let you know what was going on. Now I want to get to my guest because my guest is pretty great. I'm a big fan. It's weird how sometimes you become friends with people like you just like their style on Twitter or someone retweets someone. And you're like, that person seems kind of cool. That's what's happened with me and Tarika Foster Brasby. Like we we've become like friends on Twitter. She's real sharp. She's she's out of indie. She reps Detroit. She works for ESPN. She is one of the producers on Bomani's podcast. Like she's done a lot of stuff. She's written stuff for the New York Times. She's written stuff for ESPNW and The Undefeated. I just really dig her vibe, man. She's she's dope. She's dope. And I'm glad that we had the opportunity to talk. We talked about standards and the differences between writing and broadcasting and we talked a lot about Detroit. Like she reps it. She feels the the same way I feel about Chicago. She feels about Detroit, and I respect that. I genuinely respect that. She's delightful. She's super smart, and she's my guest this week. Check it out, Tarika Foster Brasby on the House of L podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the the invitation. I'm excited to talk to you, Lawrence. Uh, we've been Twitter friends for how long now? Like, like forever. forever. Uh, like forever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I always knew that this was an industry that I wanted to be in. But like most people kind of growing up, you you tend to dibble dabble in like different things. So my kind of dream job, show you say, was I thought I was going to be on Broadway, right? Like I was like, yeah, I'm going to be this Broadway actress. But then like my reality job was like, okay, if I don't make it to Broadway, I probably should study law because I'm very interested in politics and law. So I was like, I'm going to go to law school. Um, And then on the side of all of that was my hobby, my love, my passion, which was sports and journalism. So throughout the course of me, like getting to where I am, it was just kind of a mix of all of those things. And so the on-camera presence and that kind of stuff that comes from 
the the actress, the Broadway, the the love to you know. And I'm a Leo, right? So what do Leos do? We like being the center of attention. That's what we do. You know, I, you know, I can admit that, right? So there's that. The law part, that part of me is the behind, is is the behind the scenes part. Like I like to know how things work. I like to know, you know, how you know what what does it take? What's the protocol? What what needs to happen? In order order to make A equal B, B equal C, how do we get there? And then the, the passion for storytelling, that's the writing part. That's the part where, you know, I love to tell people stories. I love to read about people's stories, know, you know, how they got to where they are. What can I, you know, put on it, you know, to, to, to help tell the stories of other people. So it's just kind of always been ingrained in me um, to want to be able to do various different things. And I've just been blessed to be able to do that um, to do that at ESPN where I am now. All right. Well, let's talk about Broadway for a second. So <laughs> uh, it's so funny because I've had a couple of people on, on the podcast and I usually give them the Hamilton quiz. Um, if, if you were a character in Hamilton, which character are you? Like what, what role would you have wanted to play and you think f- suits you? You want to know something funny? I've never watched Hamilton ever. Really? ever is there my friends get on me all the time all the time because they talk about Hamilton all the time and I've never watched it fire me shoot me all right so why why have you never watched it you know what just honestly it's literally been time like I just literally have not had the time however I have had time to watch Bridgerton 50 different times (laughs) right so I've had all the time in the world to watch that but I haven't had one single solitary two and a half hours to watch Hamilton. I know I'm terrible, but I have, I've never seen it. Okay. So you have to see it. And I think that now, like in the context of what's happened over the last four years, I think that it's, it has even more meaning. Like in 2015, when it came out, it meant one thing. And I think now in 2021, it means something completely different. Um, So I would, I would look forward to your review and I have a character in mind from, really? yeah, from the musical For You, just knowing a little bit outwardly about your personality, but we'll, I'll write it down and put it in an envelope, and then the next time okay. we talk, I'll open it up and be like, see, I was right on about okay, that. Okay, okay. All right. That worked. <laughs> All right, so, so, so there's no Hamilton, but was there a musical that really inspired you, and you said, man, this is a call to you specifically, and you were like, this is what I'm going to do. This is it. Okay, yes, I will tell you. So being from Detroit, um, there was a Broadway playwright by the name of Ron Milner, who I worked with um, when I was like 15. I, I have no idea how I got so fortunate, but we used to have like these little programs over the summer where you could get like a summer job if you were like 14, 15, like that kind of thing. And so everybody wanted to do like the police cadet wanted to like do that kind of thing. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. There's got to be something in performance arts. And there was. And so I got connected to to basically have my summer job work with Ron Milner, who wrote a Broadway play called Crack Stepping. And it was basically about um, life in Detroit in the 60s. And so um, I ended up being in that play. And I was like, this is my life. This is what I need to be doing. And Broadway was really what it was for me versus like Hollywood, because I love the 
I love the art of it being live. Like there is no opportunity to redo it if there's a mistake. There is no opportunity to um, refilm it if you know if it if it doesn't come out right the first time. Like you have to nail it when you have it because the audience is watching. And then there was also that piece too, where it was the the live audience actually being on the stage, being able to feed off of the energy that the audience is giving you. I have always loved that. Um, I still love that. And so that was the moment where I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I actually auditioned a year later for a play called Perilous Times. And um, I was going to, I believe that I was going to be cast, but my mom was like, you're 16. Um, I don't want to put you in like any reunions. I don't want to pull you out of high school. So there's no way whatsoever that I'm going to let you like travel and be a part of this. And I'm like, mom, you're ruining my life. This is my opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? So, um, so that was, you know, I, I always, I, I don't have regrets, but if there's anything I could do over, it would be to let my mama like let me be in this play and, and but you know it, it all worked out for it worked out for what it was i'm friends with with spice adams and he's very proud to be from detroit i i love to get a sketch of what detroit was like when you were growing up there oh man huh detroit was very sports heavy always have been um which also played a role in my passion for sports um, I'm Detroit everything except football. I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan, but you know, growing up for me, there was the bad boy Pistons. Um, there was the, you know, the Tigers weren't extremely good at that time, but they were four years removed from um, the year I was born in the year they won the World Series. So, you know, by the time I start to really, really, really know and, and know, know players and things like that, they're about three or four years removed from, you know, a World Series championship. The Red Wings, you know, one of the most winningest franchises in hockey. So the atmosphere from a sports perspective was always on fire with the exception of the Lions who, you know, couldn't get it together. I think they finally made like an NFC championship in like the nineties. And that was probably about as far as they went. So, so, um, so wait, wait, wait a second. Bomani always talks yeah. about getting off that narcotic and he talks yeah. about that with the Falcons. Did you have to get off that narcotic with the Lions? No, never, never. My father was a Baltimore Colts fan okay. and a huge John United fan. So naturally, learning football, you learn from your dad. That's where, um, at least in my family, you learn from all the guys, from my dad. I learned all my baseball knowledge I got from my mom and my grandma. They're huge baseball fans. But football came from like dads, uncles, that kind of thing. So he was a Colts fan already. So it was just kind of one of those I inherited the team I've never but there's always also been a respect for the home team so you won't see me root against the Lions you won't really see me talk too negative about them um I'm not that oh you got two teams I hate people like that like I don't have two teams I have one team but I support the Lions I wouldn't call myself a fan but I'm definitely a supporter I want to see them do well except when they're playing the Colts that's it your your mom and grandma are they from Detroit they are well a, a originally from columbus georgia you know how that goes they the migration yeah so, <laughs> they migrate but they've been in detroit for over 50 years so pretty much they are detroiters um and it's just been it's like i detroit in the 80s early 90s i mean don't get me wrong there were you know the moments where 
we had to deal with violence. Of course, there were, you know, the moment where the crack epidemic hit us hard too, just like New York and other, you know, heavily populated cities. Um, we had, you know, still dealing with effects from the riots. So there was certainly some, some challenges growing up in Detroit. I grew up on the East side, you know, um, not necessarily one of the, you know, more written down areas, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't mansions either. You know, we just had to, we did what we, you know, working class, we did what we needed to do to get by and it. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to be from Detroit. I never forget my roots. I always represent my city where I'm from. And I am one of those who will argue you that regardless of what is out in mainstream media about the city, I've never met anyone who's ever been to Detroit and didn't say that they had a great time, didn't meet wonderful people, didn't enjoy their experience. So there's I'm, that. I'm one of those people, too, because I, I, I spent a lot of time covering the Bears. I covered I was on the beat for the Bears mm -hmm. from 2003 to 2011. And so, obviously, you're going to Detroit once a year. And I remember being right. in, a, in a cab, and I was on my way to Ford Field, and the, the driver kind of took like, – we were real – we were at the Wren Center. So, I mean, I literally oh, yeah. could have walked. But yeah. he, he drove me around a little bit, and I said, wow, you know, I, I really enjoyed looking at the way that the downtown Detroit has kind of grown. So you got the Greek town experience. Yeah, I got everything. But he said to me, and it was chilling, and I, I'll never forget it. He said, 10 years of growth can't change 40 years of neglect. And I was like, well, wow. all right then, sir. Here is some extra money on the way out for you. Yeah. But you're right. Every time that I've gone to Detroit, whether I was covering a Bears-Lions game, I went to a friend's wedding who was in Detroit, I've had a great time. Like, I yeah. really enjoy being in Detroit, and I always thought it was funny. And maybe that's because I'm from Chicago. Like, it, it wasn't some jarring experience to be like, oh, my God, there's black people just outside. You know, like, right. you know, like it's, it's, it's not a right. weird thing for us to – to understand what city life is like and you learn these are the places yeah. you can go these are the places that you can't go these are the places that you can go sometimes like yes. all of those things i'm glad you understand that because i say to people all the time i am born and raised native of detroit and there are parts of the city where i'm not going so why would i ever want to take you there or encourage you to go there as a tourist or as someone visiting but um, there's so much history in, in, in the D. There's so much culture there. Um, it really is. There's so, I mean, there's great food. It's just, it's a great experience. And I would encourage anybody to not just believe everything that you see. And I mean, even now in 2021, Detroit looks totally different. I go home and I'm like, when did we get this? When did we do this? How did they change this? Um, so yeah, but, but that cab driver is spot on. There are still some places and some areas of Detroit that is still hurting. You know, the auto industry, there are buildings that we see that were booming in the 70s. And, you know, after the riots, it's just just empty, abandoned buildings, you know, and it's, it's just like, what do you do? So um, there's a lot left to be done, but I would say the improvements that have happened um, over the last, just over the last 10 years have been amazing and, and very worthwhile. And I would just encourage anybody to just go and, go and experience the city for yourself. I agree wholeheartedly. It's a, a wonderful, I try to tell people all the time, like it's the secret bears trip that I try to tell people to take. 
And they're like, Detroit. And I'm like, yeah, Detroit. Go stay downtown. Go hang out in Greek town. If you want, go to Canada. When you could go to Canada, you, you can't go to Canada right you go now. now, right? <laughs> when you could go to Canada. downtown, like, come on. Yeah. They need to go. I'm, I am one of the biggest fans of Detroit who doesn't live in Detroit. I, let me ask you about writing because yeah. it's one thing to be interested in all of these things and say, hey, this is what I want to do. It's another thing to show the talent and the capacity to be able to do some of these things. So when did that light click on where you were like, hey, I belong here. I can do this at the same level that anyone else could do it at. Yeah, so the writing aspect has never been something that's been entirely difficult for me. And the reason why I would say it that way, and it is not to be arrogant, but it is because anyone who's ever been a social science major in college (laughs) or in high school who has... Any like when I tell you, you are going to read and write. That is it. Here's here's 50 pages. Let me get a 10 page essay on this in two days. You're like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, what? So you're forced to learn how to write. You're forced to learn how to express yourself and you're forced to learn how to understand how to put your thoughts on paper in a way that folks will learn how to comprehend. The hard part is, you know, everybody's not going to want to be able to read 10 pages worth of whatever. So how do you condense it? How do you make it make sense so that everyone, you know, can read whatever it is that you're writing about or talking about and have an interest in it? And so that's just something that I was kind of groomed to do throughout college. Um, And then also because I read a lot. I read a lot of books. I read a lot of magazines. I read a lot of articles. So a part of me just kind of mimicked you know, what I saw, this is what I saw some sports writers writing that I kind of mimicked how they were, how they wrote things. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
Com. Mimic, you know, the, the jargon that they used or how they format. And this is before, you know, actually being formally trained on, you know, how you set up a, a paragraph where you put, you know, the main ideas and all that good stuff. Right. So um, it, a lot of it was just kind of me reading it, seeing it um, and then mimicking what I see before actually learning how, you know, to formally do it. And again, it's just something that I've always loved to do. I've always been a great communicator when it comes to putting something down on paper. And it's probably the reason why even right now, I prefer text message or emails over, like, don't call me. Like, just don't call me, right? Let me just write it down. I feel like I can get my thoughts together better when I can write it down um, and, and make it make sense. So, um, so writing has just always been something that I've loved to do, always something that I've been pretty good at um, and having the ability and the opportunity to do it on some of the teams that I like to do it. Um, to, it more importantly, I really love the, the ability to contribute to the undefeated because they allow me to also not just contribute stories that are you know, based on report, but also to mix in some op-ed and some you know, kind of things, which I really find important, especially right now um, you know, our voices are not heard everywhere. And, and yeah, like they're starting to be heard more, but just having an opportunity to be a black woman is to just express how I feel, you know, with some, with some things to help back up, you know, why I feel the way I feel and having a place where I can share that and it's accepted. It's super important right now. I agree with you. And, and that's why I'll go back to the whole concept of like unicorn. When I go out to cover games, I see it more on, on the national standpoint. You see it more. You see more people from around the country. But in in local markets, I feel like there's a dearth of of women number one and women of color number two, and then black women number three. That there's a dearth of that. Why do you think that is? Like, and how can we how can we do a better job of fostering academics like you? Like taking an academic and being like, look, the things that you do with with academics, you can totally do all that stuff with sports. How do we do that? Gosh, that's the million dollar question, right? Um, But I really feel like from a local perspective, and I understand every market is different, um, but I just feel like there is partially one of fear, right? And, and that fear is not like, it's not just in our heads. It's, we see it. I mean, do we need to mention what literally just transpired three days ago in New York with the Mets? <laughs> like there's a fear, right? There's a fear that when you are in a male dominated arena in a male dominated industry, that there has to be some additional step that you have to take in order to be accepted. And whether that is, you know, sexual, whether that is, um, you know, playing the role of someone's flunky, getting getting coffee or whatever it is that people do, they tend to feel like you have to do that in order to make it, right? And you don't. You don't have to do that. You don't have to, you know, sell yourself, for lack of better terms, in order to get into these industries, right? So there's a fear of that. Um, there's also this, hate to, you know, say it like this, but there's also this chauvinism that women can't adequately discuss, right? talk about, um, analyze uh, men's sports, which is totally untrue. And that also makes it more difficult um, for, for women to kind of break into this on a local level. It's just, you know, it's just not true. And it's, and it's very hard um, for some women to, or not for some women, it's for us, it's really easy actually, but it's hard for some men to kind of realize that. And the problem is that there are a lot of men in decision-making roles and positions 
who still have that line of thinking. And when you have that line of thinking, it makes it difficult for the doors to be open. And that's why it's important for not only you know, women, especially women of color, to get into this industry, but also to get in decision-making positions so that they can be in the room to say, hey, listen, we need her. We want her. You know, she's good. Look at this. Look at that. Um, otherwise, we're kind of stuck in this same cycle where, you know, we're, we're, we're asking the questions of why isn't it changing, but the character and the mindset of the people that are making decisions are not changing. And therefore, what we see visually across our screens or here on our radios will not change with that. I think that's an, an excellent way to put it, too. And, like, the idea, it's so weird, like, the way that people react when you start talking about representation. But it, it really is just an opportunity to kind of open up eyes about, hey, look, I'll give you a perfect example. I, I love going to baseball games in Pittsburgh. And the reason mm-hmm. that I do is because there is a, I mean, I have to do a study on it, but from just the observation of the games that I've gone to, I've never seen a stadium with more black women going to see baseball games than in Pittsburgh. Now, I know that I mean, at one point you had with three Negro Leagues teams in Pittsburgh, and that probably has something to do with it, but I was in, incredibly encouraged by that. The other point mm-hmm. that, that you made about, you have to kind of pay your dues and and there there is some uh, there there is kind of a log jam of jobs like the jobs like the old school like there are a bunch of people who are not letting go of those jobs and I'm not trying to make them quit but they they end up being gatekeepers in a lot of ways and, and in some ways they yeah. they keep younger people that don't look like them out and then there's the issue of bias and it's not even someone that's trying necessarily. There's, there are some, but there, there are people who aren't even necessarily trying to keep other or different people out. But their brains are just so wired to, well, sports anchor at a, a major station in a major market has a white guy in it. And they're not used to seeing a woman or seeing a black woman in that role. And trying to trying to, to get people to understand what that ends up being like for people who want to enter the industry is a difficult task to to, to get them on board with people just yeah. want to be given an opportunity. I literally just made a post on my Facebook not too long ago. Matter of fact, I think it was a few days ago that says, um, and and gosh, I don't you know want to super switch the conversation but it's super relevant Um, where I said that, you know, black people need to have experience. White people need to have potential. And the reason that I said that is simply because for a lot of us, and I say us because I'm still included in this, where there are opportunities that I feel I'm qualified for opportunities that I feel that I should, you know, be considered for. And the first thing that they say is, well, how much experience do you have in? Whereas some of my white counterparts, they look and they say, hmm, I saw what you did here. I saw what you did there. I think you have the potential to really take it to the next level. Let me give you a shot. And that's just like one of those things that we often have to deal with. And you're completely spot on when you talk about unconscious bias, because there's a lot of unconscious bias where you don't even realize that you are being biased towards 
someone, um, whether that's man, woman, black, white, whatever, you don't even realize that you're being biased to them, but it happens, right? And that's kind of like one of those things that I don't think people realize that they do, but they do it a lot. And that's another thing that makes it hard for women, for, for black women, for people like me, for, for, for anyone that's really trying to make a name for themselves, um, especially younger and coming into this industry, is because there's a lot of that unconscious bias and what have you done. And um, we live in an age where digital is everything, right? Everything's on the internet. Everything's on social media. Everybody's, you know, how many followers do you have? What, how can you operate on YouTube? What do you, you know, what do you know about TikTok? Blah, 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 blah. These are all these kinds of things now, right? So we need to begin to broaden our horizons on what exactly do we count or constitute as experience? What exactly is it that, you know, we look at when we think about potential? And these are the type of things that, you know, those in decision-making powers have to be cognizant of. Otherwise, they're going to continue to forever shut people out. They're going to continue to forever be discriminatory against a lot of individuals um, who have the potential to take their companies and their industries to the next level. And I know like we're talking about in media because media is so highly competitive. It, there, are so, there are limited spots, but there are plenty of people who want those spots. Um, but we just got to be a little bit more open to, you know, to, to, to making diverse decisions on who can, on who can be, um, on who can be the most effective for us and what it is that we want to do. And I think if we continue to, to just, you know, leave a space for people who you don't usually think of as being someone who can fit this mold of being, you know, your sports anchor or being your writer. If we leave a space for them just to give them an opportunity, then I think we, we will come out, you know, on the better end of the results of that. I think people will, will be more respectful. One of the things that I've said before as well, um, Chenea Gumake, right, on ESPN, she's one of the, uh, she is the first, first Black woman to have a national syndicated um, radio show. And I was ecstatic for her. I loved it for her. Um, because for years, I've said, we talk about sports, right? We talk about, you know, the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, NHL, all these sports. And these players, which are majority Black, they have moms, they have sisters, they have nieces, cousins, daughters. They hear no one on the radio that talks about their brother, their uncle, their son, that looks like them or sounds like them. Mm. Do you think these women don't know the same women who have taken them to practice day in, day out, who've had to deal with, you know, college recruiters, who've had to deal with coaches, who've had to help them when it comes to selecting an agent and all. You think these women don't know the sport, if not better than you, but you won't allow them an opportunity to openly discuss it on a national show? Like, that's the kind of thing that you have to think about when you think about inclusion, when you think about diversity, when you think about bringing diverse and unique perspectives. There are, there are a bunch of women out here who love this sport just as much as you, who can analyze this as much as you. And one of the easiest things that I can think of when it comes to that unconscious bias is, but you've never played. Well, Greg Popovich never played in the NBA either. Are we going to say that he's not an extraordinary coach? He was an unable to do his job because he never played? So these are the kind of things that we just have to get over. We just have to. And I, I, I'm guessing that the post had something to do with NFL head coaches because oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe just a little bit, maybe something because it, it seemed to be a lot of dudes getting hired on potential. And you look at their resume okay. and you like, mm, it's questionable. That okay, is, you that, know, that, you're willing to. This is 
real questionable. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little confused by some of our recent um, hirings, but hey, you know, hey, if I was him, I'd be one. So you know. It's not like the Andy Reid tree has been successful or anything, but, you know, doesn't interview well. Doesn't interview right. well. Let me put that in air quotes. The resume is right there on the field. But whatever. I don't even know what that means. Of course right? like, not. What does that even mean? Does it interview well? You know, it's no different than, you know, when we give people these wonderlit tests and standard lot. Like, what, what does that have to do with your production on the field it, 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 don't get me started Lord. <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry it just it always makes me laugh when i hear stuff like that and you're like really because i've talked to some of these other dudes and anyway um what's of all the places that you cover all the things that you've covered all the sporting events that you've seen is there one that's a favorite or stands out and you'll you'll always remember yeah, there's two actually. Um, I will always remember the 2018 Women's Final Four. I love covering women's basketball. I love the fans um, in women's basketball. They are amazing. They are diehard and they ride with their teams to the end. But I absolutely will never forget being in the building, seeing Arike and Gubuale hit a game winning shot, not once, but twice in the same weekend. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I will never forget that. Um, the, just the way the crowd exploded, just, you know, the way that she carried the team sort of, um, that was just a, 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 such a memorable moment for me. So I, I love that. I absolutely will never forget that. And I will also never forget in the same year, the 2018, um, NBA all-star game. And the reason why, which not that there was anything that was super special before, but now it seems like it's super special to me because I met Chadwick Boswick at that particular all-star game. And so That's it was the dope. weekend that Black Panther, um, it was the weekend that Black Panther released. And so I went to see Black Panther in LA and then like a day later, um, he's on the floor for all-star Saturday night. And I don't know how I maneuvered my way down to, to get that close, but he um, and his then fiance, now wife um, or um, she, Simone, she was so nice. We were just talking like we were best of friends. Um, and some other of my colleagues as well, we were all there and it was just a great experience. And then Chadwick came over and he started talking to us and then we got a picture. I'm just like, Oh my God, I got a picture with Black Panther. It was just so crazy. Right. And so, you know, now looking back on it with his passing, um, it's just one of those moments where I'm like, I will never, ever forget this. That's a great memory to have. And, and, I don't, it's so weird, Tariqa, because I, when he passed, like, I've got Crohn's disease, so I get a colonoscopy, like, every year. So mm-hmm. I, I did a whole podcast on, like, that fear that when when you're getting ready to have your colonoscopy done and, and all the, the, the different outcomes that can end up happening because mm-hmm. of it, it affected me. Like, his death, celebrity deaths don't ordinarily affect me. I'm a huge Prince fan, so when Prince died, like, that was bad for me. But this affected me on a whole different level. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I wasn't alone in that. Mm -hmm. I I think that from from coast to coast and around the world, there were people who who really, truly, not, not were sad. They mourned. They mourned his passing. And 
I, I would love to know why you think that was. Like, what was it about him that put us in a place where we weren't just, like, scrolling through, scrolling through and be like, oh, Chadwick Boseman died. Oh, man, that's too bad. It was, like, full stop. Like, we yeah. need to digest what this means. Yeah, I think it's the whole notion of heroism. Um, he just really exuded what so many young children and young people today um, really needed to see, which it was a Black hero. And I don't necessarily just mean in his role of Black Panther. I just mean in everything that he was able to do. I mean, this is a guy from South Carolina. You know, he spoke at HBCU um, graduations, HBCU products. Like this guy felt like one of us, right? And we felt like one of us had made it and made it big time. And like, we felt a part of him. It was the first time that for so many people, they were able to truly see themselves reflected on the big screen. Um, in a way that had never been reflected before. So when we talk about representation and how it matters, there's no one who embodied that more than Chadwick Boseman, right? And so we were just kind of excited to see what else he would bring to us. I mean, all the characters that he had been able to find within himself to portray from Thurgood Marshall to Jackie Robinson to Little Rick, like, uh, James Brown, I'm sorry. Like, like we saw so, so much heroism in him and we felt like we lost a hero. And I think that's kind of like the best way that I can describe it. And, and not just what he did on screen, but the stories that people will tell you about him as a person, about his character off screen. And I mean, even then, I know he was probably tired of throwing up the Wakanda sign every time and everywhere he went for a while, I'm pretty sure in his mind, he was like, listen, I, I just need like a moment, but you never saw it. Like you never saw it. You never saw him in a position where he ever felt annoyed by, you know, people wanting to talk to him, people wanting to have pictures with him, people wanting to, you know, salute him. You never saw that, right? And so uh, for me, I just kind of think that that's what it was. We felt like we lost a hero and it kind of still does feel that way. Um, it's probably one of the reasons why so many people are adamant on not replacing him in the role of Black Panther. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all can take that uh, last year was a tough year for a lot of people. We're approaching um, the the anniversary of Kobe's death. And that was another one where, you know, people mourned. It wasn't just, you know, like, oh, Kobe passed away. It's like, yo, this really just happened. Right. So it was a lot of that last year. Um, and again, we're, we're coming up on that again. Um, and I think that it's going to be difficult for, for a lot of people to kind of move forward because we don't know when we'll ever be able to see someone that we will look at as a hero to us like that again. We don't know. I've already gone over my allotted time, but I wanted to ask you this, and I, I appreciate you being so gracious with yours. You, whether it's at the Undefeated or ESPN, you've worked with some straight up heavyweights. So I'd yeah. love to know what are the things that you look at and you try to take to add to your own greatness from the people that you've worked with? Um, definitely their work ethic, right? It's the grind. Um, no matter the time, no matter how long it takes, no matter how much research needs to happen, um, I see the grind out of everyone. 
Um, Maria Taylor is someone who comes to mind instantly when it comes to the grind. I've seen her go from college football to college basketball to the NBA desk, like all in the same week. And it's like, girl, did you eat? Did you breathe? You know, <laughs> it's like, are you like, are you okay? And now we're about to record a podcast. Like, are you, are you all right? But that's like, that's what it is. It's the grind. It's the hustle and it's the ambition and the determination to be great. And they're willing to put in the work to do that. And I admire that. And I understand that, you know, in order to really be successful and not necessarily like, you know, with money or having your, your face and your name all over everything, but just the self-gratification that you get in knowing that you 100% invested yourself into whatever project that you're doing. And, and the results of that is going to be the best that you're going to present. Um, I understand that. And I see that. And I admire that. Um, so that's, that's definitely something that I take from it. Um, I also think that being authentic to who you are and what you are is very important. When I think of that, I think of Jamel, I think of Michael Smith, I think of Bomani. Like these are people who are authentic to, to them, you know, and, and, and I haven't always been able to say that I have been able to do that. There were moments where I thought I needed to wear my hair a certain way. I needed to make sure my makeup was turned down. You know, I need to make sure that I spoke a certain way around certain people. And now I've gotten to the point where it's like, listen, I'm about to throw this red and this blonde in. I'm gonna have this this popping green lipstick and I'm gonna say what I feel. And that's just kind of how it is. And either you love it or you don't. Like I'm not, <laughs> I am incapable of being fake for other people. I'm incapable of it. And I can't be more happy with myself with being able to say that because I have not always been able to say that. So those two things to me are, I think are what I learned the most. Continue to grind, continue to hustle, but be true to who you are and be authentic. And if you can do that, then, you know, if I make it big, awesome. If I don't, I'm still cool with that because I'm still me. <laughs> How Snow handling Philip Rivers retiring? Oh, God, Snow was so excited that she actually took me out for drinks. She was like, hey, (laughs) Snow took me out for drinks. Yes, that's my girl. I love Snow. And uh, we didn't handle our loss in the the wild card well, but we recovered. And uh, the retirement announcement, it made us feel so much better. Not that I'm excited that I lost my offensive coordinator today, but it's all good. It's all good. I thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. And I'm glad that now we're not just like Twitter buddies. We're like buddy buddies. Yeah, like you're my friend for real now. Like. Yeah. <laughs> like this is really, really cool. But I'm I'm with you. So like I'm I'll be texting and stuff because I feel exact same way that you do. Like yes, we, please. we talk to people for a living. Y'all can hit me up on text and, yes. and I will get back to you. That is exactly, exactly how I feel. I talk for a living. I don't want to talk when I'm not working. (laughs) Facts. These are facts. But I thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me anytime. I'd love to come back. So, yeah, man, that was fun. That was fun. It was really fun to talk with Tarika. She's great. And I'm so happy that I get to see her continue to shine and do wonderful things in this industry and I'm glad that we've like become friends. Like that's it's always cool when you get to meet cool people. And she's definitely that. Before I get out of here, I want to thank our sponsors, my man Brendan Studzinski. He's great. He is a state farm agent and you need to hit him up. 
If you were looking for a good agent that's going to work hard for you, it's going to take care of you. You got these potholes now. We got you want to take care of your car. You want to make sure that your house is all good, like all that stuff. This the guy. So go to chicagosf.com and go get a quote from him because if you get a quote from him, he and State Farm will donate $10 to Paws Chicago just for the quote. Like you don't even have to sign. Like just for the quote, they're going to donate money to Paul Chicago. It's a charity that he feels very strongly about, and I'm glad that he told me that. He's like, hey, let's let's add something in. Like let's make this a part of our partnership. And I said, no problem at all. You're out here doing good. I want to help continue to do good. And, of course, David Hochberg, my favorite crazy man who is going to take care of you. He wants me to tell you this. If you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance your existing home, then you need to do what Lawrence did and call Team Hochberg, your trusted local lender. Mark, 60, living in a $360,000 home. What? Income from four part-time jobs, forty-two grand a year. Okay, I see you, Mark. Mark was having stress-related chest pains because his credit card debt ballooned over 50 grand. Mark, what are you doing? Luckily, he called Team Hochberg, who helped Mark access over 60 grand from his home's equity, paid off all of his debt, and reduced his payments over $1,700. Yay! So let's review. Before calling Team Hochberg, Mark was having stress-related chest pains about his debt. After calling Team Hochberg, Mark eliminated his debt and saved over $20,000 a year. Team Hochberg helped me and thousands of listeners like Mark eliminate their debt and substantially reduce his monthly payments. But they can't help if you don't call. So call them. Get rid of them chest pains that you've been having. 855-56-DAVID or visit 56david.com. That number again is 855-563-2843 or visit 56david.com. Homeside Financial and Equal Housing Lender in MLS number 112-4061. And if you're thinking that I have fun reading the David Hochberg ads, you are correct. So that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. We appreciate your continued support of this podcast. Thank you so much uh, for putting up with me. And hopefully you did get something out of me explaining kind of what's going on. I'm going to take a couple of days off and I am going to use that to work through every scenario and overthink things as I often do. I know one thing, that no matter what, there will always be an opportunity for us to connect through this podcast, and I thank you for your support in every way. Whatever you listen to, whatever platform, you check me out. Please, if you listen to this episode, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. We got some great episodes from other people coming up, which is exciting. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Sit.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.